Welcome to those that will be viewing at home on YouTube, and I trust that uh, you had a good Mother's Day, and uh, I hope that the ladies did in your home and that uh, you enjoyed some good things with family today. But I, we want to speak to you tonight. I want to talk to you about sustaining our missionary efforts. Sustaining our missionary efforts. You know, and, uh, and I just want to say, I, I thank the Lord that when Debbie and I got here, this church already had a heart for missions. You know, now you could be mission-minded, but there's a difference between being mission-minded and being mission-hearted. Mission-hearted is that you put some feet on those thoughts, amen? You put some feet on those prayers, and you were already doing what you could for missions with, with a good heart. And, uh, and that's a blessing. And so, uh, you know, in any outreach or any ministry over the course of time, every now and then it should be reviewed. We just need to look at it. And so uh, if we're going to sustain our missionary efforts, and I know that we, by the grace of God, that we are and that you have been, I just want to look at some things tonight, uh, considering that, Lord willing, next week, next Sunday night, we're going to have a missionary. And uh, going, to, uh, going to Ireland, the, the uh, Craig family... <laughs> Uh, the Gregg family, I want to pronounce that properly. And uh, then uh, a brother that's been, I think he's been in Peru or Chile, I'm not sure which, but uh, Brother Doug Rose is going to be with us. His parents, Gerald Rose and Kathy Rose, were missionaries many, many years ago. I knew them. We supported them. We, oh, amen, amen. And Brother Gerald was a good guy, man. And I remember they came to Bogachita. And uh, I think they were missionaries in Chile at the time, or Peru. I'm trying to think which. But anyway, they came, and, uh, and Debbie and I were there, were our people, and they came in there, and our folks loved them. They just fit in. I mean, they just had a time with our people that were coming uh, there in Bogachita, Mississippi, and it was a blessing. And I remember when their son, Doug, at Town East, when he surrendered to the mission field, and uh, came forward that, that day during a mission conference and yielded his wife, and he and his wife been on the mission field uh, after deputation ever since. And uh, uh, he called me this week and said that he was going to be in the area, and, and I'd love to see him. It'll be a blessing, and I know that you'll enjoy it. He won't be here. He's coming not until um, Father's Day and be with us on that Sunday night, on Father's Day night, Lord willing. So anyway, Matthew 28, Matthew 28, let's read these verses. I know they're familiar verses to you. This is the Great Commission, isn't it? And, uh, and let's read it. Notice what it says, Matthew 28, look in verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe whatsoever things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And you know what amen means, right? It means so be it, so be it. And, uh, and that's what the Lord has put here for us to see. And so let's pray one more time. Father, I just thank you for the precious word of God. Thank you for these dear saints. And Lord, may we rejoice around the word of God tonight and fellowship with you. Through your spirit and your word, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, here we have it, the Great Commission. I love this. It says, it's all power to all nations to teach them all things, to observe all things. 
And then lastly, so the Lord said, I am with you always. I mean, what a blessing. Is that not a good recipe for success? And so praise God for that. And so what I want to say is that his last command, this really is his last command. This is his last command. And therefore, it ought to be our first concern. His last command should be our first concern. So if we're going to sustain, and, and when you say sustain, what, what does that simply mean? That means to continue it. That means for it to go forward, if you will, in strength and purpose, that every now and then we've got to review it. I mean, don't, don't you do a little maintenance every now and then on your own vehicles? Don't you look them over just a little bit? Why? You're trying to sustain the life of them, are you not? And, uh, and so every now and then we, you examine some things on there that you might get the most life out of that vehicle, get your money's worth, so to speak. And, uh, and so too it is with any program or any ministry of any church, every now and then you just got to take a look at it. And so, so that's, that's all that I, I'm trying to do here. Nothing new on the horizon, but I think we do need to do these three things. Number one, we got to review our mission. What is our mission? Do you know our do y'all remember what the, uh, any of y'all army guys, do y'all remember what the mission of the army was? I don't know because I wasn't in the army. I tried to avoid the army. I wound up in the Air Force. The mission of the Air Force was this. It was to fly and to fight. Be ready to fight. To be ready to fight. All right. Well, good. To be ready to fight. So it looks like, it looks like, man, we... We were just in some fighting moods, amen, weren't we? To fly and fight. But we had a mission and everything, everything that we did, whether regardless of what 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 your MOS was in the in the army, right? Regardless of what that was, ultimately it had one purpose in mind, and that one purpose was what? To be ready in a moment's notice, to be ready to fight. As, as it was in the Air Force. Man, they had the guys that did the maintenance on the aircraft. Then you had to have maintenance on the equipment that looked after the aircraft. You had to have somebody that did munitions maintenance, somebody that prepared the bombs and rockets and whatever it was that they were going to be distributing, uh, you know, to our enemies. And then you had to have somebody to take those munitions and put them on the airplane. Then you had to train people. You had to train somebody to fly that airplane who knew what to do when they got there and someone to bring them in and someone to send them out. I mean, and that whole thing was all wrapped up in that one mission. It was to fly and fight. Well, beloved, the church has a mission. We have a mission. We're just not, you know, if we were just going to do something, we could. there's something else we could have done tonight. Amen. But the church has a mission. God gave us a mission. Go, look with me. Turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. I know you know these passages. I'm not going to give you anything new. If somebody gives you something new, it's probably not viable. Amen. I'm just going to throw that out there for you. I don't know if I would trust it if it was, if it, they say, well, this is new, I, you know, or whatever. <clears throat> but I want you to see this. Acts chapter 1, look in verse 8. So I said, what is the mission of the church? What are our marching orders? Why do we exist? I mean, wh what are we doing here? I mean, wh what are we here for? And uh, notice what he said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. And I know that you have heard that before when it comes to missions and mission time and mission conferences. I suspect you probably have been to many, many, many 
conferences over the years of year since having been saved. And man, what a great time it is. What a time of refreshing. Really, we call it like a missions revival. Because you know what I love about faith promise? You know what it does? It takes the focus off of us and it puts it on them. Amen. And, uh, and when we're giving to missions, it's a constant reminder about them and the field in which they are laboring, and they're laboring in our field. They're working for us, if you will, in the sense of that. They're working for the Lord, but it is our, we have been commissioned to reach the world as witnesses. And, and notice what this says. It says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost to come upon you. shall be witnesses meet where? In Jerusalem. That's locally. That's our local place right here. Our Jerusalem is Kerrville, part of Kirk County, up and down these roads, apartments, and these, these homes and so forth that are around here, and where you live, and where you work, and where you shop. It is our place locally to do our best to do that. And then he, notice what he says, and in all Judea. That would be like the county, or if you will, that would be like, that would be like Kerr County or the area here around us outside of our city, outside of our Jerusalem, Samaria, then it's going to be those regions. I look at that as being national, kind of like from coast to coast. And we support missionaries like that, like Victory Baptist Press. Do you know that they send Bibles and literature and materials and tracts and things? They send that to people around the world. And every time a dollar from this assembly goes into their, goes into their account for them to buy more paper and ink and boxes for shipping and Bibles and all those things, and they get it to some missionary over there in some faraway land, whether it be in South America or whether it be over in Europe someplace or even behind some, some what we think might be closed countries or whatever it is, whatever that literature that they have produced, we've had a part in that, and it is fruit under our account. We're fulfilling that role. We're fulfilling the mission that God has given us. And you might feel like, just like maybe in the, maybe sometimes when I was in the Air Force, you know, when I was tightening down on a ratchet or whatever, putting a bomb on, I didn't know that I was really just really, I, you know, I didn't feel like I was really having too much to do with the mission. But you were. Everybody doing a little bit. It made a difference. Brother, even putting the shoes on mules had its part. You know, armies have got to have beans and bullets, don't they? They got to have both those things. If they're going to, and so some guy that was, you know, some guy that was over there over a cook stove someplace was providing the nutrients and nourishment that they had to have to supply those soldiers to be able to take the field and do what needed to be done. You know, when they were when they were stirring a pot, they may not have felt like they were. Good night. Did I really sign up for this? <laughs> They may not have felt like they were doing very much, but when you put all that together and combine all those things, man, the work got done. And I'm saying to you that the same thing is true here. You know, that what, what did that songwriter say? Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. And so, brother, I, you know, when I hear that, you know, you've sent out the checks or whatever, I get excited about that. I, I say thank God for that. Why? Because we're having a part in God's plan. And it's good for us to be reminded about that. It's not for us to pat ourselves on the back, but hey, but we're helping. You know, a roll of paper, have you seen how big those rolls are on those web presses? They are huge. And they can tell you how many Bibles and how much literature can come out of those one rolls. I just know this, that they don't deliver those things 
in the back of a little a Chevy pickup truck. They come on an 18-wheeler and got to have a forklift. They're so heavy in web presses. I have seen them, and they are several feet long. If you've ever been in a newspaper or ever been around that, and then the binding shop and taking those things and putting it together and all that process, just so somebody can have a copy of the Word of God that they might read, God open their heart, and then believe and have eternal life. They're, they're, you know, we just, we just are, you know, we have so many first world problems here in America. We do. And, uh, and you know, and for some people, I remember, I don't know if where you were when the wall came down, when the Brandenburg Gate came down there in Germany, and East Germany was no longer separated from Western Germany, West Berlin. I don't know where you were. I, I was in the ministry at that time. I was pastoring at that time. And I can remember when I, when I started on deputation a year or two later, and I remember seeing some pictures of people that were holding a Bible, you know, holding a Bible, clutching it to their, to their chest, clutching onto it, and hearing from missionaries that had given those things out. And when somebody would come up and say, you know, I, I heard that you have Bibles, and they said, yes, they do. And, and, uh, and they said, is it like a whole Bible? And they, they said, yes, it is. They said, I've, I've heard about this. And they gave it to a woman, and, and, uh, <clears throat> and they gave it to her. And she just clutched the thing, and she began to weep. And she said, I've heard about these all my life, but I have never had one, let alone ever hold one. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us got two or three. Yes. Yeah. yeah, or more. Just a little thing like that. And uh, what what life giving was? I remember when our neighbor got saved there in Bogachita. Our neighbor got saved, and she came back. Her name was Pat. And uh, when she came back, and man, she told me, she said, "Oh, I've been reading. I've been reading about David over there. Man, that First and Second Samuel. You know, you think stories were good that were on TV. Man, there's a lot of stuff in here in the Bible. You know, and it was exciting for me to see a young believer just soaking up the Word of God." Being excited about those things. Man, I, I, I love missions. Why? It's the heartbeat of the church. We're to do something locally. We're to do something nationally. And we're to do something globally. And we're having a part in our own way. And I thank God for what you're doing. I mean, why do we exist? We exist to exalt the Savior. Remember 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatsoever you do, whatsoever you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. We're there also to see that the saints are edified. It's part of the reason why God gave those offices, pastor, teacher, and so forth, where we are in this dispensation, in this life. What? For the edification of the saints, for the work of the ministry. We're still looking for men. We ought to be looking for some blue chip men and women to send to the mission field. You, you remember the old westerns, right? What they deputized. When somebody would rob the bank, they would come in and say, man, we've got to get a posse together. And they'd get a posse together <laughs> and they'd say, okay, all right, you know, all right, everybody raise your hand and the sheriff would get there or the marshal. they raise your hand. Okay, y'all are deputies. All right, shoot straight. Got plenty of both. We're going to be gone for four days. Boom, that was it. And away they'd go and take off, right? They all didn't have a badge, but they all had been deputized. They had been commissioned. They had been authorized to go out there and get those bad guys. Well, that's what deputation is. When a missionary comes through, we need to be looking for good men that we can deputize. The church commissions and sends them out. To do what? To gather in the harvest. 
to gather it in. So, man, we're here to exalt the Savior. We're here to edify the saints according to Ephesians 4. And we are here to evangelize the sinner. That's what Matthew 28 was all about. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Amen. That's what we're to do. And so five times in the word of God, the mandate is given to us from God. Listen, this all power is given to me in heaven and earth. That's Matthew 28, 18. What about this passage? Mark 16, verse 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature. And then Luke 24 and 47, he said, And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. That's the message. We have the mandate. We should be looking for the messengers. And we've got the message to give out. And the Lord said in John 20 and 21, he said, Peace be unto you as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And man, we're looking for those men. You know, when the Lord said there in Isaiah 6, Whom shall we send and whom shall, who will go for us? And man, he said, Here am I, Lord. What? Send me. Send me. And uh, I know that you're not 25 in here tonight. I know that. But, uh, but I've, I've watched some that were, uh, I watched Brother Muldoon come through when he was about 65 years old. He'd been a, I don't know what you call it, brother, but he used to do these long rides. And he was a chuck wagon guy, like, like a mule skinner, I guess, would be in my mind. He would run a wagon and he would take people across on tours. Folks who got enough money, you know, to, to burn a wet mule, that, you know, when they want to go on a vacation, they'd get this Brother Muldoon and he would take them on these long rides with these big wagons set up camp, feed them, and do all that, used to that. And at 65, or when he got saved, not many years prior to that, but finally he surrendered the mission field. And right now, he's in the hottest place that you can imagine in Papua New Guinea. He's in a place called Baimuru. Man, they got big old mosquitoes and dengue fever and uh, malaria, and they got a lot of other things going on there. And he and his wife are there. They're looking after a big piece of property, and he loves it. They love doing it. At 65, he must be probably, he's probably about 70 now. Brother Muldoon is still going on, still doing his thing, still serving the Lord. I love it. I remember when, I remember when Dr. Gene Burroughs came through and he was 65 years old. He'd been 30 years in Bangladesh. He could speak uh, Farsi and so forth. He could speak uh, Bengali, that language that was there. And so he and his wife, he was a physician and she was a surgical nurse. And what they would do is they would go to a country, they would establish a church, and they would also establish a hospital. And he would train the locals to be to be surgeons or uh, like almost like physicians assistants and nurses. They would do all that. All the while, they're trying to convert the lost. And I remember I saw him at a mission conference at Calvary Baptist Church down in Arcola, Texas, <laughs> below Houston. And he asked for prayer. He was 65. And he said, the Lord's called us to the Ivory Coast of Africa. And he said, I have to learn French. Would you pray for me that I could speak French? Because that's all they speak in the Ivory Coast of Africa. And I thought, bless your heart, 65 years old. And now you want to learn a new language so that you can tell people about, about how to run a hospital and how to take care of the sick and how to know the Savior. Man, I love that. I love that. And you know, you know what I've seen amongst... Those that were coming through, there are not a lot of young men anymore that are being called to the field. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what, I don't know if they're not, I mean, I just, I don't understand it. The Lord, I don't know what the Lord's doing in that, but I know he's still taking men my age and others 
around my age, and they're going to the mission fields. Amen. Hey, you, you just never know how he, what he might say for you to do. I mean, he is the Lord, is he not? He is. He is. All right. Peace be unto you. That's what he said. As my father has sent me, even so send I you. And the last part of that mandate, we've already read, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me unto both in Jerusalem and in Judea and all and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Beloved, we need to review our mission. What is our purpose as a church? Number two, we need to renew our vision. Our vision. Now, I know a lot of people go to that passage where there is no vision, the people perish. Well, what that is referring to when there's no word from God. That's what the Bible is talking about. It says there was no open vision in those days. When, 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 uh, when folks in Israel were getting used to the dark, there was no open vision. There was no word from God. And beloved, when there's no word from God, it's not good for a people. But what I'm talking about is renewing our vision, our sight. Go with me to the book of Isaiah. Go with me just a couple of places tonight. Isaiah chapter 6. I know you know the passage. Look in Isaiah uh, chapter 6. This is the year that Isaiah died. And look with me please in verse 1. We're talking about how do we sustain our missionary efforts here. Number one, we have to review our mission. We have to ask ourselves, hey, has our mission changed? He just said, occupy till I come. I don't think it's changed. I, th I think the Great Commission is still there. I don't think it's been fulfilled, right? He's still going with people. He is still calling people. He is still sending people. People are still being saved, amen, around the world. And, uh, and so, so we need also to renew our Vision. Notice what it says, Isaiah 6. Look at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. Twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and what did Isaiah do then? And, and the posts of the doors moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. You know, the Lord is an audio-visual God. <laughs> there are some things to see, and there are going to be some things to hear. Amen? Then look at verse 5. Then he said, oh, then said, I, woe is me. You know, when you get near to him, he does reveal things about yourself to yourself, does he not? And he said, For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He thought, Surely he'd have died after that. But then one, then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken off with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it on my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. That's the same word. When you see that word coal there, that's the same as the stone. That's just like the stone that the, re that the builders rejected. That stone is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he was cleansed. And so what do you got here? You got the low, and you got the woe, and then you got the go. <laughs> Amen down there at the bottom. And he said, verse 9, and he said, go and tell this people. 
The low, the woe is me, and then there is the go. We have to renew our vision. And I've read all that to say this. Do you know why Isaiah went? I mean, what was it that sustained Isaiah when he had to preach to the gainsayers? Do you know what it was? It was a vision of this and what took place on that day. There was real worship in his heart. And anything that's going to be lasting for the Lord must be born out of a heart of worship with a desire to glorify God. Because there are going to be many things on the mission field to discourage them, to dissuade them, to depress them, to hurt them. There are going to be many obstacles. I mean, the task, when you think about it, it's overwhelming. In some of these places, there are so many people. And, <clears throat> and what, did, what did Paul say? There's a great and effectual door, and there are what? There are many adversaries. That part hasn't changed. And those missionaries have to have more than just well, I had a good feeling back there when I was sitting in the church at home and, uh, and a preacher came and I just felt something warm and fuzzy and I decided I, I think I would go. You know, there's a lot of tourists that are out there. There are some people that go as tourists. They get, they get this little idea that this is, the, this is what they're going to do and they get worked up and they go and then they find out, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I thought we, I thought we was going to have coffee in the bistro and, and people watch. <laughs> no, there's more to it than that. And so it, it takes more than just a warm, fuzzy feeling or seeing that they have a need or swollen bellies, you know. We would watch that when they would show their slides. they show these kids with candlesticks. Y'all know what candlesticks are. You know, I'm not talking about those kind of candlesticks. I'm talking about the kind that run out of their nose. Those candlesticks that run out of their nose. They don't have clothes on or they're scarred or they're... Or they're, uh, they're, they're deformed, or they something happened, a birth defect, or they were injured, or whatever. You see all these things and flies on them and bugs on them. You've seen those pictures, right? The flies are all over them, and they're not, they don't swat them away. Why? Because they're so used to them. And we look at all those things, and it moves us, and man, i got to go do something. It takes more than just seeing a need. And so, beloved... You know, there were some that went to the battlefield and there were some who tarried by the stuff. Now, we sing that song. Someday we're going to sing it, sister. There's a call come ringing or the restless wave. Send the light, send the light. There are souls to rescue. There are souls to save. Send the light, send the light. The gospel light, right? But somebody's got to pay the light bill. <laughs> Amen. That's us. That's us here at home. And those who go to the field and those who tarry by the stuff, they still have to have the same vision of the Lord and worship. Why? There's something there, a message for them to carry. And us have to be a part of it. And so, and so reviving, renewing our vision, we must not become like the Laodicean church. Remember them? He said, I would that thou wert hot or cold, but because you become lukewarm. He said, I will spew you out. I, I, I've learned this since having been a medic. You know, there are times when you use a cold compress on an injury, and there's times when you use a heating pad. Or we had both on our, on our trucks. I had stuff that I could pop this little bag, and man, it would suddenly become just like, about like ice. 
You know, it was a chemical reaction. It was so cold. We could put it on somebody who had maybe they'd been, uh, had an environmental exposure. They were overheated or whatever. And we were trying to cool them down. And we could do that rapidly with these cold packs. And there were others that had injuries. We could puncture this thing and we could make it warm. It would make it warm. You've seen some of those things that they have out there. And, uh, and in both of those instances, there's a place for healing in that. But when it was lukewarm, you pitched it away. It couldn't do anything. And what happened to the church in Laodicea, Jesus tells them, I believe that's the Lord there in Revelation 3, he's telling them that they had lost their purpose. And when people don't renew their vision, when they don't have that heart of worship and desire to glorify God, they will lose their purpose. And then also what it says about them, it said we don't need anything. They lost their dependence. I don't know what their prayer life was like. They said, he said, you say that you have become rich in need of nothing. And yet their biggest need was that they couldn't see their need. And lastly, the Bible says of them there in Revelation 3, they had become blind. They lost, they lost their perspective on things. I don't know what was going through their minds. I just know that Laodicea means the rights of the people. And suddenly, their own program, and I've seen churches this way. They got big edifices, and you remember we were talking about some of this, brothers, independent Baptists. We're, we're not trying to be ornate. We'd rather see those things go in other directions, wouldn't we? We don't want, because we know one day this is all going to burn up. Amen, it is. It doesn't mean that we don't take care of what we got. And it doesn't mean I'm not grateful for what I've, we've got. But it's not about making some huge edifice here. It's not about making some sort of, eye-catching, glamorous, palacious place. It ought to have purpose and it ought to have function. It ought to glorify the Lord. Amen. But at the same time, we, we can't, we can't let, we just can't let those things take the place of what really is the most important thing. We can't do that. Shouldn't do that. And so, uh, those folks there in Laodicea, they needed a second touch, and there was a warning for them. There was a warning for them. And we, we need to heed that. We need to renew our, renew our vision. Last thing. Go with me to Mark 16, please. I'm almost done. Mark 16. We need to review our mission. What is the mission of the church? What's your part in that? We need to renew our vision. We need to get another glimpse of the glory of God like, like Isaiah did or like Jeremiah had. I mean, think about it. Jeremiah preached for 40 years and not one convert. Why did he keep going? Remember there was a time he said, man, all my familiars look for my halting there in Jeremiah 20. He said, I've had enough of this, Lord. I'm done speaking in your name. And he said, man, he couldn't. He said, that, that word was in me like a fire shut up in my bones. He couldn't keep it inside. It had to come out. There wasn't one convert in all that time. But he finished his course. Look with me in Mark chapter 16. We've talked about this passage a little bit. Mark 16. And look in verse 19 with me. I want you to see this. Mark 16 and verse 19. We need to review our mission. We need to renew our vision. And lastly, we need to revive our passion. Our passion. Are you passionate about anything? <clears throat> Are you passionate about anything? 
For didn't the Lord, when the Lord saw the needs of others, he was moved with what? Compassion. It's a part of the same word, have passion. It, it caused him, it compelled him to take action. And so we need to do that. We need to, we need to revive our passion about these things. Look at Mark chapter 16, look at verse 19, the last two verses. I'm almost done. He said, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, it's right before he's going to go up now, all right? He was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Verse 20, and they went forth. That they, those are the disciples. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the words with signs following, amen. I love this. The Lord went up, they went forth, and the Holy Spirit came down. Amen. That's how it happened. And they were energized, and they had passion to do it. And yes, did they run into obstacles? Yes, they did. And when they were bunched up, what did the Lord do there in Acts chapter 9? He turned the heat up a little bit. He came along and got a guy named Saul, amen, and picked him up off of the dung heap and said, I'm going to do something with this old boy. And he used him. And man, what were they doing? He was breathing out threatenings and slaughter. And all of a sudden, man, they got out of there. And when they got out of there, they began to preach and do what they were supposed to be doing. And, uh, and then the Lord saves the Saul, and he becomes the Apostle Paul. And then business picked up. Amen. Did it not? It did. Why? There, there was a revival of their passion. Man, things were happening. When we talk about the book of Acts, it's not the Acts of the Apostles. It's really, it's the act of the Holy Ghost is what's going on working through those Apostles. Reviving their passion. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9 and 22. He said, To the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I, that I might by all means gain some. He must have loved them. He must have loved the Lord. He must have loved those people. If you look at his letters... Even though he was in prison, he still wrote to them. He still communicated with them. He was still concerned for them. He still prayed over them. Hey, you're in my mind and you're in my heart and you're in my prayers. And I'm asking God to sustain you. Man, I mean, they had, can you imagine what it must have been like when, boy, when a letter from Paul came in? They were like, hey, you know, we got a letter. Somebody got a letter from Paul. All right, we're all going to meet uh, next Thursday night. We're going to read that letter. Okay, pass it on. Everybody, hey, Paul, we got a letter from Paul. Got a letter from Paul. Man, I mean, you think about it. He names all those people that are in there. Hey, have this read here. Read it over here in this town. I hope that Colossi gets it. And they get it over here in Laodicea. He's going to talk about one of those letters. Man, get that word out. Why? They were passionate about what they were doing. And they knew Paul was going to have something for them. You know, and what can't happen? We just can't. We can't let. We can't let. I'll just put it like this. You know, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, if he that observes the, was it the clouds and the wind, he said, basically, he's not going to have a harvest. In other words, if, if, we're, if we're waiting for the perfect opportunities to do some of these things, then the perfect opportunity is never going to come along. It's like the person say, man, will you come to church with me? Or will you sit down and talk? Well, when I get caught up on it, well, the problem is they don't ever get caught up. They've always got something else to do. There's always something else pulling at them. And they're glad to do it rather than sit down with you and talk about their soul. And so, and so we need to be the church militant. I looked that word up, militant. It sounds like the word military. 
And it, it has a little offshoot of that, but this is what it says. It means to be vigorously active and aggressive in support of a cause. Now, I don't think we need to make people mad on purpose. That's not my goal. Amen. But it does mean that we need to be a conduit of God's grace, not a reservoir. You know, when, uh, when you guys were in the army, let me ask you a question. Did you drill a lot? Man, we did. <laughs> you know, they believed in that drill, baby drill. <laughs> it was a different kind. <clears throat> I thought I was going to wear them boots out and all them heel beats. Did you have to have a heel beat when you marched? You had to have that certain rhythm, amen, when you was marching. There were 55 of us in a flight. I don't know how many was in your platoons, but we had 55 in ours. And, you know, you had to be a certain place and stand a certain way. And, man, you had to have no... And I didn't know if I was taller than the man in front of me. Man, I got chewed on for that kind of stuff. But boy, we drilled, 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 did PT. They have these huge asphalt, that's what they had, just huge asphalt pads. They were huge and there were, I don't know how many of these barracks all around, but I just know I wasn't the only person or, or we weren't the only 55 that were out there. There were formations of guys at different stages, different levels. Some of them were looking sharp and some of them were looking like how we used to look. And it was, you know, I mean, they were everywhere. Wouldn't it have been foolish to do all that drill and practice and muster and do all that, but never get out of the barracks? <laughs> it wouldn't have done anybody much good. And so if we're going to fight, you know, and not merely drill and practice, we are a spiritual army. Are we not? Isn't that what that song says? Onward, Christian soldiers. We are. We are a spiritual army and, and should be involved in conquest and engaged in offensive warfare against the enemy of the gospel. And it's not the person next door and it's not the guy in the White House or in Congress. That's not the enemy. The enemy is old Slewfoot, the devil. He is our mortal, mortal enemy. Oh, beloved, we have a job to do. We have a story to tell to the nations. And I thank you. I thank God for you and what we're doing and giving in missions. And we're talking about giving a raise. And brother, I'm for that. Let's give those guys that are getting 25, let's double it up, brother. And, and uh, let's do that. And, uh, and when these missionaries come through, we'll look and see what we got going. And uh, I haven't promised anything. I don't do that when they come through. I tell them sometimes that if I didn't think we could have them, I would tell them that. And I, you know, and I used to be told that when I was on deputation, I would say, well, you know what? If you just let me come by and just let me get my name in the hopper, we'll go from there. I'll trust God for the rest. And that's what happened. And so, uh, you know, I want to be open to missions. I think it ought to be an encouraging thing that missionaries to us as an assembly, that they are not an inconvenience to us. And I appreciate your spirit and attitude. I really do. That's just a work of grace and God, of the grace of God in your hearts. And I commend you for it. And so, uh, boy, don't you want to see our mission program be sustained? Amen. I do too. I do too. I want to see it continue to go forward. I do. And I thank God for what we're able to do right now. And, you know, he's providing it. And he has sustained us. He has I'm beginning, to be, I'm beginning to be like Brother Larry. I don't know how that's possible. But, but with him, all things are possible, aren't they, brother? They are. They are. And so, uh, boy, we just, you know, we just serve a, he's just a wonderful Savior. Amen. 
And, uh, and, you know, and when we keep our hearts in the right place, he's going to do his part. He will, because he's faithful. Amen. Let's pray. Father, certainly do thank you, Lord, for these dear saints. And I pray, Father, that we might be encouraged, Lord, by your word tonight and seeing what you're doing and in the lives of these men and women, Lord, that we are sending out. And so, God, we thank you for allowing us to have a part in your plan to reach the world. What a blessing that is. We know it's fruit unto our account. And we want our giving and our sacrificing, Lord, to be a sweet-smelling savor unto you. We love you tonight, Father. Thank you for sending someone across my path, across their paths, who loved you enough to tell them and to tell me about my need. Love you tonight, Father, and we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.